This is The Guardian. For teenagers wanting to look good, maybe even being slightly obsessed over appearances, is definitely nothing new. The same goes for following the latest trends. My simple skincare reset routine when my skin's breaking out or irritated. Skincare routines are extremely popular on social media, as influencers share how they keep their skin glowing, radiant and perfectly clear. Hey, it's Hailey Bieber and I am going to be taking you guys through my nighttime routine, so come get ready to go to bed with me. But as the trend has been growing amongst children and teens, many have been discovering anti-aging products and wondering, do I need that? Teenagers have always wanted to be more mature, so they're aspiring to do things that adults tend to do. Parents are even finding that their kids, instead of toys or art supplies, are asking for anti-aging skincare products. Hey guys, Christmas haul. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do this in two parts, so this is going to be all the skincare and makeup type things. The creams are very appealing in terms of their packaging. I mean, they've got lovely bright colours and they've got little animal emblems on them. Last month, the British Association for Dermatologists warned that children as young as eight are using expensive products which could be damaging their skin. And other experts agree. What is my main beef with most viral skincare brands, especially for kids? Too many potential allergens with no benefit. So today we're asking, how have skincare routines become so popular with children? What's in these cult products? And what should we be using to care for our largest organ? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. So I think this phenomenon has gradually been creeping up on us over the last couple of years. Dr Emma Wedgworth is a consultant dermatologist. She's seen how young people are becoming increasingly interested in anti-ageing products and skincare routines. I've certainly noticed that younger people who are coming into clinic, when I ask them what they're using on their skin, it will often be quite involved with a number of different steps. And I often hear their parents saying, oh, she's very good with skincare or, oh, she uses a lot and I tell her not to. So that's something that I've been gradually seeing in clinic. And so what sort of products are we talking about here? Cleansers, specific moisturisers, serums, face masks, all of these things, which I think are attracting a lot of attention from this age group. So if you look at a lot of the night creams or retinols, they're designed for ageing skin. So these are suitable products to be used in later life, but they're certainly not relevant for an age group that doesn't require any of these sorts of ingredients. Never mind a teenager, it's hard for most adults to try and work out what these products have in them. And I think in the mix of all of this, they will be using products which are completely inappropriate for them. Okay, and so retinols that you mentioned are things like vitamin A, which is supposed to reduce fine lines on the skin. And then there are other ingredients like exfoliating acids, people might have heard of salicylic acid or glycolic acid that might be trying to, say, smooth the skin. And so why are products that have these in 
inappropriate for younger people. How does our skin change from childhood to adulthood? So our skin really is at the mercy of our hormones and it changes dramatically as we start to enter puberty. So at about nine or 10, the hormonal axis will really start to wake up. And this is when we first start to produce sebum, which is an oil within the skin. And once we start to produce sebum, that changes a number of things. One is it changes the microbiome quite significantly, but also it can result in blocked pores. And that's when things like breakouts and acne can start to happen. The microbiome during teenagers is again slightly different to the adult microbiome when hormonal fluctuations will start to settle down and the skin will reduce into a slightly more steady state of sebum production. Because your skin is dramatically different before you enter puberty, when you're in puberty and then in adult years, your skincare routine really should be very different during these periods. So I get that you would want to use products that are appropriate for your skin and your age. But is there any harm in this? I mean, is it not that young people are doing what they always have, which is acting older, trying things out and, you know, having fun with their peer groups? Why is it that dermatologists like yourself are raising concerns? So you're absolutely right. We don't want to go in hardline and say, don't do anything. But I think there are some valid concerns that I have. So one thing is about the ingredients. So these sorts of retinols or acids, which particularly in the younger children, the preteens who haven't started to produce much in the way of oil yet could potentially be quite irritant. We might be looking at things like affecting the skin barrier or eczema or even contact allergies, exposing children to products and ingredients they really don't need to be exposed to. So if you disrupt your skin barrier and you disrupt the outer lipid layer, that's going to disrupt your microbiome. And then it's a vicious cycle because once your microbiome's disrupted, your skin becomes more sensitive. So these are all concerns that I have about the excessive use of retinoids and acids in young people. For most people in this country, these sorts of products are incredibly expensive. And it's one thing if you choose to spend your hard-earned money on it, but I'm certainly not spending my money on that for my children. I think it'd be much better placed elsewhere. And I think the other thing is really this obsession with image and appearance. And that, I think, is is a real concern. Girls spending a long time prepping their skin and wanting to look like influencers. And I personally would try and avoid against that. And Emma, as well as being a dermatologist, you're also a parent and you've got experience of this, right? So definitely a lot of personal experience of this with my 12-year-old daughter. She started to get very into her skincare routine. And so on the Christmas list, we had a huge amount of skincare being asked for. Um, She went to a party recently where part of the party was to choose skincare altogether. She's getting a lot from school, a bit from social media, and to be able to say, well, I've got the drunk elephant or, you know, biome or whatever product it is, I think, you know, gives them a little bit of status at school. So it's often quite a battle to try and strip out some of the products, which I really don't think are appropriate for her skin. So does your daughter have a skincare regime? I mean, are the products that she's seen online that now she's adopted? 
she does have a skincare routine. And I think actually that's very reasonable. I think it's actually super helpful for teenagers who are starting to go through puberty. And you'll start to see that really early, actually, 10, 11, 12, sometimes even earlier, when you start to notice a bit of congestion and blackheads, that you start to gently cleanse the skin. And then if you need to, replacing the hydration with moisturizer and sun protection. And that's all you really need at this sort of stage, unless you have a skin concern, which then needs individual attention. So she will have a reasonably stripped back routine. There are many things in my house which are banned, but it's easy for me because that's the profession I'm in. So I know exactly what she should and shouldn't be using. Obviously, it's a time you want to experiment, but still skin health is of paramount importance. Emma, you've talked me through the impacts of these products for tweens, but of course adults are also prone to reading about the latest skincare fads and convincing ourselves that they'll transform our skin. I'm definitely not immune to that. So what actually constitutes a good skincare regime? I think this is such an interesting question. The reality is that taking care of your skin can be super, super helpful in the long term, but there are limits to where creams lie. So for example, if you're noticing sagging, which most of us will as we get a little bit older, or you've got really deep lines in your face, no cream is going to fix that because that's a structural sort of change. So in terms of what makes a good skincare routine, gentle cleansers, which are tailored to your own skin type. And that's such a key aspect of understanding your own skin. You know, we don't all wear the same size clothes. We don't all wear the same size shoes. We need to tailor our skincare routine. So if we're slightly oilier, it might be slightly um, more cleansing. If we're sensitive, it may be a cream, very gentle cleanser. And that balances our skin barrier and our microbiome. We want a moisturizer to, again, protect our skin barrier, particularly in this country. We've got dry weather. We have indoor heating, air conditioning, all the sorts of things that really strip our skin. Sun protection, absolutely key. We know that over time that can help prevent signs of aging. It can help prevent um, skin cancers. It can help reverse some of the signs of aging as well. Antioxidant serums, so things like vitamin C can be really helpful. And then if you are an adult, adding in a gentle retinoid, um, a vitamin A-based cream in the evening can help improve the signs of skin and sun damage. Do we have to wear SPF every day? I know that we also need vitamin D. And sometimes there's this question of, should we always be constantly wearing SPF? Madeline, I love that you've asked this question. It, it just opens up so much that I can say from a dermatological point of view. So thank you. Um, so let me tackle the vitamin D thing, first of all. So the first thing to say is that vitamin D needs to be synthesized when UVB, that's the strong sunlight that we get during the summer, is at quite a high level. So during the winter months, we're not going to get much UVB. So we're not really going to be synthesizing much vitamin D. The second thing is you need a certain amount of your body surface area exposed to be able to make the vitamin D. So it's about the amount of your arms and legs. And depending on our skin type, you need between 15 if you're very light skinned, right up to sort of 40 minutes if you're much darker skinned to be able to synthesize enough sort of vitamin D. So whether we wear sunscreen, if we're talking about our face every day, that's quite a small percentage surface area of your body. And so therefore that shouldn't impact on vitamin D synthesis. The other thing is that actually there are no good studies that suggest that sunscreen prevents vitamin D synthesis. So I think we have to be really 
careful about looking at the whole sort of vitamin D and saying that's the reason why we shouldn't wear sunscreen because we don't have any evidence that it blocks it. So I don't think we need to worry too much about the vitamin D aspect. And some of these creams that you see advertised are so expensive. Is paying more money for a cream guaranteed to get you a better outcome with your skin? No, absolutely not. I would say there's little correlation between the price and the efficacy of products. For as many luxe products as I like, there are as many budget products that I like as well. And you certainly don't need to spend a huge amount to have a really good skincare routine. What would be your message to a parent if their child is asking for creams, wanting to do these kind of skincare routines that they see on something like TikTok? So first thing is keep well within your budget. So we do not need to spend a huge amount of money on creams. And buying your child an expensive cream, even if they say it's going to be the thing that fixes their skin and makes them happy, it's not the case. Try and minimize what you use on the skin. There is no need for multiple products. You might allow a couple of things that they feel good about because obviously you want to give teenagers a little bit more control. You don't just want to be dogmatic. I think often until our skin goes wrong, we just sort of think of it as a blank canvas, something the way that we look or because of appearance and aesthetics, but it is the biggest organ in your body and we really need to keep it um, healthy. So help to educate your teenager and yourself really about how skin works, what you need to do to keep it healthy and show those healthy habits to your teenager as well. So I I think as with all parenting, which is super difficult, it is about being a good role model. Emma, this has been so fascinating. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Dr. Emma Wedgworth. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by me, Madeline Finlay. It was sound designed by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. I'm Grace Den, and friends, I am back with some more helpings of comfort eating from The Guardian. I'm welcoming a host of fabulous guests. From David Bedil to Katie Price and from Amol Rajan to Kathy Burke. And they'll be revealing the tastes they turn to when in need of solace and cheer. Comfort Eating returns on the 13th of February with new episodes released every Tuesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian. Für eine smartere Arbeitsweise? Mit Asana sorgen Sie in Teams jeder Größe für mehr Klarheit und Verantwortungsbewusstsein. Verknüpfen Sie Ihre Arbeit mit Unternehmenszielen, damit Sie immer wissen, was planmäßig verläuft und welche Arbeiten gefährdet sind. Erreichen Sie schneller bessere Ergebnisse und automatisieren Sie Workflows im Unternehmen. Asana – A Smarter Way to Work Kostenlos unter asana.com testen asana.com